Recorded live from Portland, Oregon, it's the Transamorous Network Podcast. Let's get it on. It's the Transamorous Network Podcast. I'm Perry. And I'm Remy. And welcome to the show. Today, we have someone we've been talking with for quite a while, actually. Yeah, she's been joining us on Monday nights yeah. on, our, on our show when she's able to. Monday nights, 730. Looking forward to... Uh, <laughs> speaking with her um she was really she's really interesting she's got a really interesting past and uh remarkably mature if i may say for for 30 years old absolutely i was really absolutely. really impressed with who she is and who she portrays herself as and she has a lot of wisdom towards the end of the show so let's just go ahead and introduce uh, mari to the show hi mari welcome welcome mari hi how's it going it's going really good so so um where did we meet mari Oh, I remember. We didn't we meet through um, you wanting to respond to one of our uh, male guests on the show, and then <laughs> <laughs> nothing wrong with it. Nothing yes. Wrong with it. Yeah. So, so how how'd that how'd that go? It was it was just the email. I mean, I haven't spoken to him in a while, to be honest. I mean, um, you know, it's like a little community. We're all friendly and all, but. Um, I actually um, did not pursue that because I met somebody and then I was with them for a while and then I um, broke up with them and I am focused on me again. Right on. So, so in case you don't remember, David Andrew, remember David Andrew? Mm-hmm. Ah, hi, how's it going? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. He he was uh, he's still fishing around too for for relationships, but it's in it's interesting. Uh, what so what happened with um, these last two relationships? And we'll get to your background and all that in a minute. But this is so relevant. What happened to the what happened relative to those two relationships? Were there just differencing differences of opinion or differences of where we were you were going or what? It was really just one relationship, but um, one was emails, one was a relationship. Oh, I see. So yeah. you don't consider the David Andrew one a relationship? Okay. No, okay. we had like two exchanges. They were pleasant exchanges. Okay. okay. Um, yeah. So just yeah, just one. So how did, what happened in the other one? Um, you know, I really feel um like I I want to speak about it with respect Absolutely. because you yeah. know he's a good man yeah. um there was just a difference in principles and I had to be honest with myself about something and, good for you you know it's um I mean we can still talk and it's still friendly yeah. but um yeah I, I've moved on <laughs> and we're gonna move on too okay right okay so Mari I'm glad you picked that up <laughs> So, okay, so let's hear about you. So um, you live in, do you still live in Texas or did you move yet? I, yes, I currently live in Texas. Mm-hmm. I actually live with my parents oh. and I have been back home since 2012. So it's been five years. Wow. Where were you before uh, that? San Francisco. All right. Oh, wow. I did my master's there. And you have a master's in what? Music. And music, yeah. And so, um, Mari is one of those trans women that I think are plentiful in the world who are talented and educated and have something going on for herself. I'd like to agree with that. Yeah. And so, so tell us, <laughs> tell us what you've been doing with this music because we've been, you know, when we first, when we first talked, yeah, when we first talked, you were, um, 
I didn't know what you were doing. And then when I went to Google you, it turned out you had a whole separate YouTube account. And so this is probably why I'm single. <laughs> I mean, I, I, um, I just, I've been focused on my career. Mm. And frankly, it's why I'm kind of, I've been kind of delayed or paused in my transition because I've been focused on my career. And um, really, I think uh, what happened the last couple of years with the, the major event, because there was a turning event, is that I went to this conference. It's, a, it's like the choir conference. Um, it's called the American Choral Directors Association, and they do conferences every year. And um, every other year, I think it's on odd number of years, they do one national conference. And it's huge. And, oh, I just did the Trump thing. Excuse me. <laughs> you did. <laughs> that was subconscious and really inappropriate. But... <laughs> We don't um, judge, baby. So, so I went to this conference, and for the first time ever, there was a um, there was a session on uh, addressing LGBTQ issues in the choir room. Um, and if you're not in the choir world specifically, then you probably don't realize how gendered everything is in choral singing. Mm. Um, there are men's choirs or women's choirs. Uh, there are, um, you know, even like voice classification, soprano, alto, tenor, bass mm -hmm. are usually coded by gender. And even if somebody is lies in between or is in a gray area, they're often forced in, you know, I'm talking about like, in schools, yeah. institutions, universities, right. they're often, and this is my story too. Um, I was uh, singing, I sang tenor from junior high before I had any vocal changes um, from male puberty. And then uh, until I moved to San Francisco, actually. So all through uh, high school and college. Oh, wow. uh, and I was always in choir every year. Wow. And so I sang tenor too. And now I sing professionally, like alto, alto one, alto two. Mm. So, so, so you're a professional singer. I thought you played music also. No, not, not really. I mean, I, I play piano, but I don't perform piano. I see. But my degrees are in composition. I'm actually a composer. Oh, first and foremost. oh wow. But going back to this conference, um, they did, it was incredible. Um, I, <laughs> Like I said, it was the first time they ever had any discussion of this, and the comp the the session was like in a you know in a meeting room, mm -hmm. and it was packed. And um, they did they entered the whole discussion talking about uh, Leila Alcorn. Do you remember her? No, should she, I? She's, the name sounds familiar. It was 2015, I think January 2015. Um, she. Uh, was famous for um, publishing her suicide note on Twitter. Uh -huh. She was a, a transgender girl from, I think, Michigan. Okay. And her parents, like, tried to force her to do conversion oh, therapy. Oh, yes. There's all this. And, and whenever uh, they spoke of her they after used, the yeah. fact, they misgendered yeah. her. Yeah, yeah, There's all these, you know, points of discussion. But she says something like, let my, let my death mean something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that was, this is a, you know, 
church musicians, uh, university, high school choir directors. These are just, you know, musicians and, and people in education coming to this conference. And that's what they lead the whole subject on. The other one was uh, a suicide by a, I think, uh, a virtuosic violinist mm. uh, in, a, in a college setting. So, um, wait a second. Then, what was that person? Um, gay. Oh, okay, got it. Thank you. And he and he he or she committed suicide because of what? I think because of bullying. Okay. That story, I don't recall. Okay. The, all the details, but um, so it was basically a presentation of, um, and I don't I don't want to like, you know, record this because I don't want to get the numbers wrong, but it talks about like how much. Um, of the LGBTQ population at any given high school is um, in music. I would imagine pretty high. It, se it seems like it would be a lot, right? Right. Stereotypically. And, and choir and um, how many students, how many of those students identify as LGBT. Um, there was actually on their survey uh, an option for straight. And there was this whole explanation to the general public that, you know, you can be LGBT and straight if you're transgender. And it was like, I don't know, close to like 10% of these LGBT students in the choir room identify as transgender. Mm -hmm. wow. So we're, we're talking like um, people that are born after 2000, basically that are now in high school or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, they made all of this research and uh, I don't want to misquote anything, but at the end, you know, they had like a 20 minute uh, a Q and A and almost all of the questions were about, um, I have a really, really excellent singer who uh, wants to quit choir or won't uh, participate in the Christmas concert or the winter concert because um she said, I'm going to make her wear a dress. And um, I have a, a transgender student and I, we're going on a tour and I don't know who to room them with. And, you know, I have, so there's questions of attire, aside from like the artistic things, mm -hmm. um, which is something that I am more familiar with uh, because I'm not a, a choir teacher or anything. Um, it's, you know, logistical things like that. And just using, instead of saying, you know, girls and boys or men and women in a classroom setting or in, you know, whatever uh -huh. the choir is in, to say, you know, like sopranos or, or basses or tenors and altos. And to kind of address the choir in the same way a conductor would ad address an orchestra. Mm -hmm. Because you're making it about gender whenever you say girls and boys. So anyway, this is a huge discussion. At the end of the Q&A, I, I raised my hand and I introduced myself as a transgender composer. And I wanted to reiterate the fact that uh, a lot of these students um, are probably, you know, as a teacher, you, you have the opportunity to create an environment for them to feel fully themselves to exist and to fully participate and not feel held back in any mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I said, you, you don't realize that you, in talking about these things openly and without shame, you're actually 
um, saving people's lives because a lot of the students are probably coming home to mom and dad and we don't know if mom and dad or whatever their living situation is, you know, that their guardians are, you know, accepting mm -hmm. um, or, you know, just educated. And it's so it's a, you know, there's a lot of talk about Title IX mm -hmm. with a lot of my colleagues, Title IX, Title IX, and, you know, everything that with the new administration and there's all of this stuff happening around. I have two degrees in music composition. I'm not a teacher. I am a singer, um, and my involvement with the schools was as a, um, I say, contractor. Mm -hmm. I I taught voice lessons, and I was my own boss, and my students paid me directly. But you know, and that that kind of ties into the discussion with you know, um, being stealth and whatnot um, in Texas because I didn't want to lose clients. <laughs> And I also didn't do an education degree because, I mean, state by state, you have different protections or or lack thereof. Mm -hmm. So you, so my, so so this is interesting that you have uncovered this area that I think hardly gives any attention to, which is the music, the music field, which is populated by I would imagine a lot of LGBT people mm -hmm. and. Just, a lot. just because just because it's an artistic expression and <laughs> and there's some truth to the stereotype that a lot of LGBT people LGBT people are creative and yeah and, they very often lean towards the artistic yeah of yeah. some kind and so know. I think uh, they say like millennials are the most LGBTQ like out mm -hmm. generation huh. and I I, I think it. we're gonna be you know it's not gonna be us in you know ten or twenty years. Because I think the younger generation is just so much more uh, less prejudiced yeah. and less judgmental about um, that means the same thing. It's okay. <laughs> about about <laughs> you know gender gender expression and sexuality. Um, but the point of this whole story is that ever since I essentially came out in front of you know hundreds of attendees of this conference, I. Um, I started getting a lot of commissions. I bet. As particularly from um, like LGBTQ organizations and choirs. And uh, I would say the majority of my projects that I've done since 2015 have been with organizations like that. And I'm, I'm continuing to do that work. Mm. And so my, my uh, original, oh, I'm, I'm a little insecure composer going to this conference trying to get people to look at my music and listen to it and maybe they like it. And so it went from that to just this completely political focus. Uh, my music is about, um, my current projects are about uh, immigration and racism mm -hmm. and, <laughs> um, and like just transgender issues. Mm -hmm. So... Um, and it all intersects, of course. Yeah, right? yeah. Isn't it interesting how you? So, if you had gone to that, if that, um, that, that, um, uh, yeah, I want to. It's not the conference, but the thing that the she workshop. was actually the workshop. If you had gone, thank you. If you had gone to that workshop and just kept to yourself and not said anything, none of this would have happened. Right? No. Right. So, living your no. authentic self just kind of opened things up for you. Well, not just living your authentic self, but presenting who yeah. you are to people. And yeah. Yeah. 
it was like a transformation and i have opinion and and i want to reiterate a fact that you guys have already made i think that's awesome so would you say that your work since that event in 2015 so before 2015 and after 2015 what would you say would be the percentage increase in your work like 50 percent 200 percent um so back in 2014, I think I had four commissions that I was working on. Mm-hmm. Right now, I have I currently have five, but I've already done two this year. So almost double. Wow. Mm-hmm. Very, very cool. Yeah. Very Congratulations. Cool. And so what do you what do you want to do with do you want to be a composer or do you want to be a singer or, or I should say, because you already are. Are you do you compose and sing or do you focus mainly on one of those two? I focus mostly on composing mm. at this point. I was, like I said, I was teaching uh, like high school mm-hmm. private voice lessons for four years. That was my day job. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, that's something that is really close to my heart. And, you know, I'm a singer myself. I don't, I'm not really an instrumentalist, even though I do compose all the time for instruments. Um, so does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so I'm going to change this, change the subject briefly but it's related so you're in you're in texas right now Mm -hmm. but but before that you were in san francisco why did you move to texas because our parents are there is that why because you wanted to live with your parents home um it was not that easy of a decision yeah Uh, i mean uh living so most of my student student loan debt actually comes from my two years in grad school not my four years in undergrad Hmm. And um, yeah, San Francisco, I, I could see the trend. It was just going to become more and more and more uh, expensive. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, did the math and I was like, you know, I'm going to be working some kind of, you know, retail or something right. uh, Five just, jobs. To, mm-hmm. just to barely be able to Fans pay school. rent. Mm-hmm. I'm from the you Bay. Know? I understand. <laughs> yeah. So, and it's, it's gotten ridiculous and it's, it's really hard for artists and it's, it's going to make an impact eventually, but, you know, for years and years, that was, uh, an, it is where I went to school is the only conservatory on the West coast and it attracted internationals and, mm-hmm. wow. you know, it, but it was, just, it's just like, that is an artistic, I mean, it's San Francisco, yeah. you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> And it's, and it's, you know, everything on the West coast is kind of isolated like that, you know, where it's, you know, big cities. And then you have to drive a long oh, way yeah. before the next big city, which is unlike Texas. Really? Oh yeah. I mean, we have, um, I think three of the tops, like most populated cities in the U S are in Texas in the top 10. Huh. And is it, is it because Texas is the cities in Texas are so, um, they just spread out like a we're, we're like turd. the size of maybe three states. Yeah, yeah. Texas is hell yeah. big. But your but your cities are also <laughs> your cities are also really, really large. And so they kind of touch up against each other. Is that they right? Space. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah. I mean I mean Austin, Houston, uh, Dallas and Fort Worth, um, San Antonio, even like Arlington, which is between uh Dallas and Fort Worth, that's where all the sports happens mm-hmm. i think that's in like in the top i don't know 20 most populated cities in the u.s so like to drive so, so like to drive from dallas to fort worth would take how long about 30 40 minutes oh, depending. See, oh, yeah really so close. so like going from seattle to or from from uh 
like Sacramento to San Francisco is going to take what? An hour, hour and, and a half. An hour, hour and a half, right? Or from San Francisco to LA is going to take even longer. So like yeah. Six hours. Yeah, six hours. So you're if right. You're driving. But yeah. there's cities, like uh, it's multiple cities between between the cities. Yeah. It's not it's not like twin cities. I also lived in Minnesota. Oh, okay. They're not connected. Mm. There's and they don't call them suburbs really cuz they're just huge. Everything is and it's just growing. Yeah. You know. Do you like it in Texas? Oh, absolutely oh, you, not. You, you don't. Okay. <laughs> I thought she said absolutely. I know. Uh, that's another reason I'm absolutely. Oh, yeah. Okay. So tell so let's dig into that. So what is it what is it about Texas you don't like and how is that contributing oh, to you being gosh. single? Are you kidding it's me? Texas. <laughs> and and how is that related to you being single? It's because Texas. this is not where I want to settle roots mm-hmm. at all. I mean, in the past couple of years, I've had business in Minnesota, uh, back in California, in Colorado, in Washington State. I actually had a premiere earlier this year in Salem, Oregon. Oh, yeah. um, you should have let us know that. I go. You're only 45 minutes away when you're in Salem. I could have come and seen you. I don't think I- I don't think I knew you at oh, okay. that point. Okay. But I mean, I just I travel a lot and you know, that's that's another one of the benefits of being here, not only because DFW is like a huge airport, but also, you know, I can save money to do that. Yeah. Not having to pay a thousand dollars for rent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> why why do you have to travel to um be a composer? You can't do that work over the internet or on the phone or something like that? I do it's oh. all of the above. Okay. I go there and I I work with the ensembles one on one, and I attend the premieres oh, and right. I w- the the whole creative process from um, I would like you to write a piece to selecting a text to set is usually a poem, and doing the actual composing, the engraving, the printing, all of that. Um, so the the publication aspect to it too, and then uh, working directly with the musicians to fulfill the vision Interesting. Um, for every single project. And uh, I, I absolutely love it. That's, that's the other thing I was going to say is that you're asking me what I want to do. Um, I'm mostly it. already there. Yeah. She's doing it. Uh, yeah, totally. I don't, uh, I don't have much savings. <laughs> okay. And okay. I, I had to pause my transition, but I mean, things have really progressed in my career for the past couple of years. And, now it's like I have too much to do and it leads to some like creative rut yeah. and depression, mm. which is something kind of new to me, but I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little overwhelming, nice. but come the spring, I'll be traveling and, and doing this. And it's, it's just for me um, with choral music, I'm not writing a piece for one person. You know, I'm writing it for a choir and choirs are anywhere from uh, 30 to 100 people. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a piece done, um, and this is relevant because it's, um, it was at the LGBTQ Choral Convention in Denver last year. Um, it was, I think, five choruses from the U.S. and Canada came together, over 300 singers uh, singing this piece that I wrote called Our Phoenix, oh, wow. which is in memory of all the uh, transgender people that were victims of murder Mm -hmm. uh, in that year. Mm -hmm. So in 2015, the premiere was in 2016. Um, So yeah. And I, and I set a transgender poet. So like 
my work is, you know, I pull from all over nice. and I work with people all over and I, I love it. And it's, it's, you know, connecting with hundreds and hundreds of people, if not thousands. Mm-hmm. I can so. tell. Yeah. So let's get back to Texas and dating. So what is it? <laughs> what is it about this? this? is Perry. This is how he rolls. Well, this is the this is what the show's about. So just talking. Shit. So what is it about Texas that makes it hard to date? Is it that the guys you meet uh, don't want to leave Texas, or that I don't want to live here long term? So so and e- even when even when nothing. something yeah <laughs> even when something good comes along, it's like I said this earlier. Um, to to a recent day. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I would rather have um, a meaningful connection with somebody one day than spend months trying to create something good. And I don't know if that makes any sense. It but does it's just make like, sense, yeah. I, I, I'm, my goal really is just to connect with people um, I don't, like I said, I don't see myself settling here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that, especially with the age group that I date, you know, people are, or men are wanting to, you know, stay <laughs> and they have families. Yeah. Uh, whether that means, you know, older relatives that need their assistance or, you know, kids or one kid mm-hmm. or, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like divorce is really common too. So there's also like these other dynamics. And I mean, I have, if I'm really honest with myself, I don't want to, I don't want that. I just, I just want one person, one single person without, um, without kids. I don't see myself in that role. Right. So you don't want to, you want, you don't. So in some ways though, now you you can get whatever you want. That's what we, that's what we believe here at the network. And, And at the same time, the the modern relationship tends to be this kind of uh long distance well not long distance but networked in the sense that what what is the age group of guys that you date 25 to 45 okay that's pretty broad okay so so i mean i don't think <laughs> yeah, i keep the options open i guess i guess, I guess when you're i guess when you're in texas it's possible to be 25 year old and have children. People here, people here like, can I be guess, 25 and have kids. That just seems awfully young to be. No, it's, just, it's well. just where I live. It's like kids do have kids at 14 years old. It's just people here have a lot of things. They just, you know, you they, material people possessions. Yes, like houses and big yards and cars and like they are settled in. I <laughs> I don't spend my money on things. I spend my money on experiences. I see. Yeah, yeah. And and I don't see that changing. I don't, I don't need a lot. Yeah. Um, I do like lavish baths. And I do. I and I would like my, an office of my own at some point where I can operate and. And it'll be my little sanctuary, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't need a lot of things. I'd rather do things, and I'd rather my partner not have children, so that I can be like, "Hey, come with me to my premiere. Hey, let's go hiking. Yeah. Hey, let's go. I just want to like, you know, yeah. do things. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Okay, so 
Um, what you, you mentioned a little bit ago, I like it when you lean into the camera because it, it just brings more of who you are into the into the show. Thank you. So, <laughs> I, I can bring this closer. It's it's up to you. So um, you said that you'd rather have a meaning of a short, basically a short one day meaningful relationship than to have to work on something good. What does what does a meaningful encounter, a meaningful connection with someone look like? What is that? I I don't want to give the impression that like I'm not willing to work with somebody. I'm not. I'm not making but. that. I'm not making that interpretation, <laughs> and I hope that the audience isn't either. I'm just wanting to clarify what you meant. That's all. I think for me, it was. This is a really long story, and we're we're talking like the tail end of the story where I am now. But it's like I have dated enough. I've put myself out there enough. I've had enough sexual activities to know that to know what I want mm -hmm. and what I, and I, I, you know, for me, it's like when, when somebody approaches me, I'm like trying to see, you know, where, where they fit. Mm -hmm. And if they don't, do you fit, match my story? Exactly. No, you don't. Bye. <laughs> right. Is that, is that pretty much? <laughs> it's less and less about like, Oh, this person's really attractive. Yes. You know, um, that matters of course. It helps. It's, right. It's, you know, it's like, how, how do we connect? How often do we connect? Mm -hmm. And to what depth do we right. connect? Right, what level mm -hmm. do we connect? And, you know, it, that's, that's really, first of all, I should say, I'm not really looking that hard right now, because I want to, I want to move and be somewhere I actually want to, like, live. Mm -hmm. Which is perfect. This has always know? been, right? yeah, you know, yeah. and I just turned 30 um, on the 8th. Happy so, so I'm curious. Um, so I'm, uh, if ever I ask a question, Mari, that you don't want to answer, you can just say I don't want to answer that. Okay. Oh, what's your question? I'm sorry. Well, no, it's you don't have to apologize. The reason why I, I, I offer that because I'm about to go into an area that's kind of sensitive. And and listeners and, and viewers, as you hear what I'm about to say, I'm not trying to be prying. I'm trying to bring out. Yes, I'm trying to bring out stories that are going to make okay. make it interesting. So, so one of the things I'm not trying to pry. I'm just trying to bring out of yes. you. Yes. <laughs> so, so the so so I'm 53, and my experience is I've had so much sex. <laughs> what did you just do? <laughs> I've had so much sex and relationships that for me. You know the sex isn't all that big of a deal anymore, and the and the physical appearance isn't a big deal to me either anymore. It's more about what is the quality of the relationship that I can have with the person, and is that is that worth my time? Mm -hmm. Because that's what's more important for me. But right. for someone who's thirty years old to say that, I, I was going to ask you how old were you, you were, but you said you were thirty. For someone who is thirty years old to say that, you either have to be really emotionally mature which some trans women are but not a lot of them right or or i don't have time to waste yeah, well so so the other thing i was gonna say or you had so much experience with relationships that you're just basically kind of tired of the bullshit and want to get on get on with something real i mean no you don't really have time to waste i, I mean you do have time to waste you're 30 years old i mean what is it <laughs> What is it that you're, what do you think is, is where, where's the sand and the hourglass spinning out here at 30 years old? You know, it's all about, it it's happens. always been about the art. It's always been about creating mm -hmm. and, um, you know, just taking advantage of the opportunities that I have, you know, 
I think it's perfect. You know, you you are writing the story that you want to live. Yeah, you, know? you are focusing on yourself. You are focusing on where you want to be, what you want to do, how you want to do it. Right. And that's all what you should be doing. And then living your life and not looking and not worrying about them. And, and she gets that. I do. Well, yeah. And well, then just only. let it happen. Well, that's you how know? that's what we encourage people to do in the network is we encourage people to do exactly what you're doing. And then and not focus at all on trying to find a partner. And when you do that, the partner magic magically is not a good word because it's not magic. They just kind of show wow. up. I know Remy thinks it was magic. They, they just kind of show up. But when you focus, when you focus on a on trying to find your partner, the I, the act of focusing, unfortunately, often if if you look at how people search for a partner, here's what they're doing. Really, they're really going, "Where's my partner?" They're they're focusing on Why the absence. Yes, mm-hmm. they're focusing on the absence. How of come the I don't have one of those? Yes. And when they do that, it makes it so much harder for the partner to show up. Right. So we encourage people to do what you're doing, which is just live your life, enjoy yourself, have a good time at life. And when you're doing that, you're not focusing on the questions like, where's my partner? How come well, I can't right. have that's someone That's when you like start that? putting out the energies of desperation. Yes. And that's when you start meeting people that don't meet the story that you're looking for, but are meeting that negative story that you're telling yourself. Exactly, right. You know? Exactly. And so you're, you're doing it, you're doing it, the, in our opinion, you're doing it the way that's most productive. Yes. And, and the right partner will come when the time is right. That's right. And in the meantime, the interesting thing about the partners that show up in the meantime is they all contribute to you understanding what it is you're wanting and what you're not wanting. Right. Exactly. Yeah. They and there are lots of them. <laughs> <laughs> They're all over the place. Yeah, yeah. So how do you... How and that, do... Was, that was a revolution, too, um, because... You know, I grew up understanding that no one would ever love me, that nobody would be attracted to me. I remember even in high school, I had a, and then I considered him a really close friend. And I asked him, I said, do you think I would be attractive as a woman? He said, no, you know, so there are these like other, you know, there's all these hints early on, but I had a, a near death experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I served, survived that, I, um, you know, asked myself what I really wanted out of my life. Mm-hmm. And it eventually led to me, uh, like coming out as trans. And in November, it's actually like my 10 year anniversary oh, wow. since then. Wow. Um, so, um, yeah, it's been a long journey and I have learned <laughs> a lot, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't, um, connect with anyone romantically or sexually um, before my transition. And, you know, even at the beginning of that, it was like, um, I, I learned that certain men desired my body. And like, I, that to me was like novel and exciting. And it meant a lot to me. Mm-hmm. But then I Those continued. And then I realized right. that I'm like, I'm, I, I learned my own worth. Yeah. Well, say. right. And well, we look I've for them for validation one. early on. You know, it's like a validation that we need as trans women. You know, there's a certain validation that has to happen. And I've, and I've seen, we've seen it across well, the board. It's interesting because it's, it's, but then it's, there's it's, a point the, where that validation from them isn't enough because well, their validation isn't true validation. Well, see, and this is really important what Remy's pointing out because, and I'm speaking more to the audience here than you, Mari. There's, what Remy and you are now talking about, this search for validation, is the flip side of tranny chasing. 
Mm-hmm. There are men yes. out there that are going out trying to figure out themselves by having these undercover connections with trans women. And the women who match that story are the women that are looking for validation. Yeah. And so there's nothing wrong with the chasing dynamic, which is always two people. Well, and, and that's what I keep saying. It's a dance of two. Yeah. You know, and we keep feeding one side and the other keeps feeding the other. Yes. You know, if you're looking for something better, stop looking on Craigslist. Exactly. <laughs> I, I Hi, think Mari. it's the, uh, something that everybody goes through, actually. It is. I, even I mean, even straight know, cis people do it. Absolutely. For us, you know, you have to have that conviction like, this is who I am and this is my homework. You know, this is this is what I have to do now. And for me, I was 1920 when that happened. Yeah. So, um, you know, where we're, I feel in some respect, we're we're backlogged um, and there's just all this other catching up that we have to do in our adulthood, adulthood. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, you also just learn a lot of things. And um, if you're, if you allow yourself to, you know, yeah. and I, that's the difference now between me when I was, you know, 21, 22. I mean, I, this is the other thing. It's like I, I said, like 25 to 45 would be my dating range, but I rarely date somebody younger than me, like very, 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 very infrequently. And why, because, why is that? Well, I mean, in Maturity. my own life, I can only speak for myself, of course, but in my own life, I think that uh, people change immensely through their 20s. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, whether that means they're married and they get divorced mm-hmm. or have a kid or you know some major life event happens you know that kind of just helps refine who they are mm-hmm. you know in return mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I've been going through that myself <laughs> yeah you're at that age yeah um so you know I just I I see younger people yeah, or men, we're talking about men. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, you know, it's not like I'm repulsed by them, but it's it's also like um, you're going to be a different <laughs> person in five years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was talking to Remy. Don't fall out. <laughs> it's okay. So, so yeah. So, okay. So you, you, so the, it, so I know you said 25 to 45, but really like the, the middle, the middle portion of the curve from 25 to 45, where is it skewed more towards 45 then? 37 is like my magic number. Okay. Like I just, <laughs> they come to me and I say, okay. If you're not 37, you don't have a chance. So, okay. So, um, so tell us about this near-death experience, and then we're going to talk about Seattle. Oh, oh. You know, I, before you start there, I just wanted to say something. You know, she said that, you know, that she started to have her life-changing experiences, epiphanies and whatever, around 19 and 20. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? With the people that we have interviewed, most of them being in their 20s and 30s. Yeah, yeah are all doing this early on in life. I mean, you look, you know, look at Samaya, look at, look at, uh, uh, you know, Mari, all these people have, have, all these trans women have started 
had these amazing epiphanies, changed their lives. B and did the same thing. B. It, well, it's interesting. She, Mia. She, yeah, all, all the women, I was going to say, all of the women, the trans women who have been on, the, all the women who have been on the show, they have all expressed this level of maturity and they have all talked about, um, they've embodied this. Mostly all. Who, who, who hasn't? Some of our early guests. Oh, yeah, that's true. The very, very early <laughs> Some ones. Some of our very, very early, very early, early ones. Good. A couple of the very early ones. But that's most okay. of them, mm-hmm. most of them have been very aware of who they have, who they have been. And as a result of that, they've been very choosy in their decisions, I guess. And, and, and because of that, I think they, they represent what we've been talking about for the last several episodes this kind of powerful woman that exists in the trans persona. And are you following in this, Mari? Mm-hmm. You see this in yourself. Absolutely. So, so where, does, where do you think, bringing you into the conversation, because Remy and I are talking with each other, where do you think that comes from? It comes from years of living in a black and white world and then all of a sudden living in color. It's like... What's the black uh, and white if you If you play video games, it's like... My life before my transition, like there's actually memories that I've forgotten from my past. I don't know if Remy has gone through this, but like I'm just like disassociated from a lot of it. People have to remind me of like details because my I just that wasn't really my life. Mm-hmm. You know, I was making my decisions based on what other people wanted me from me, mm-hmm. you know. I've heard that and before. that is, you know, I think a lot of adults do that and it's a destructive lifestyle, yeah. you know. Yeah. But it's it's like um, you realize it's like it's like going you're playing the video game and things happen to that character right and but at the end of the day you don't it's not happening to you you know there's this like detachment and you're just kind of just controlling this um what's the word avatar the avatar yes yeah. exactly and you know people people say oh you know when you were a man but it's like honey i was never a man i was a woman mm-hmm. always mm-hmm. and and people are like you know oh you're you're being a um uh how do you say oh what's the other word <laughs> like you're you're trying to mock women or like you know be a model of do you know what i'm trying to say mm-hmm. like you're trying to be a a paradigm or a, I can't find the right word for some reason, but it's like, um, I know it's coming to me. It'll come to you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's a caricature. Yeah. A caricature. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, but it's like, no, before transition, I was being a caricature of a male. I've heard that often. Yeah. yeah that's kind of like what Shannon used to say. Yeah, that is what Shannon used to say. My yeah. experience is a little different. We've mm-hmm. talked about this before. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't relate completely on that, but I've heard it and I completely understand mm-hmm. it. You know, absolutely. So, so when you go so long, uh, not, you know, being disassociated and go so long feeling like you'll never be loved, that you don't belong. And then you realize, like, oh, yeah, fuck yes. I, I do belong, and I do matter. I can do things, and I can be happy. Mm-hmm. And it's just like this. It's like the possibilities become endless when you realize that. Well, and you can see how the, the world around you has grown to kind of accommodate who you become, right? Because even even in so small as a community, if I may call it small. Not as, in Texas. Well, no, but... but, but <laughs> But in, in the small community of your choir profession, even, 
it's reflecting that. And so, I mean, eventually, I mean, Texas, Texas currently is going through its own growing pains around this. And we're going to, I think we're going to see Texas come along because there are so many people right now in Texas who are beginning to stand up for trans rights, especially around the bathroom issue. Um, and, and we're, I know, I know you don't, you may not see it because you're in, because, no, I don't you're, agree with well, you. because you're in Texas and it's hard for you to see it when there's so much evidence to the contrary. And, and mm-hmm. so, you know, when you have, if you have a, speaking of stories, if you have a powerful story, such as Texans will never get it, for example, then all you see are Texans who don't get it. Meanwhile, there are plenty of people down there who are making a huge ruckus to change yeah, the way Texas, Texas is. Yeah. Absolutely. I understand. Yeah. I, I hear your point. Yeah. So it's, I, just, I really don't like it. Here. I get it. I, and I probably wouldn't either. So, I, but yeah, the I whole, the, if you, if you, here's for me, I got to drive. Exactly. If you have to, if you could, if not you specifically, I'm speaking more to the viewers again. If you could for 30 days change the story you have about physical reality, the physical world around you. Like for, be more positive. Like if if you could let's take let's take what Trump is doing in the realm of U.S. politics. I'm speaking again to the audience. If you could change for 30 days, just try on a new perspective about what Trump is doing, a new story. You will begin to see evidence of the story, the new story you're telling yourself show up. So like what we're what we're doing on, mm-hmm. in the Transamerous Network is we're focusing on the good things that are happening as a result of Trump being in Mm -hmm. office. And there are a Mm -hmm. lot of freaking good things that are happening. It's not because of what Trump's doing. It's in spite of what, or despite, or in reaction to what Trump is doing. The world is actually becoming a better place for transgender people because Trump is the president. Right. And you heard this on our Monday show. Yeah. We focus a lot on that kind of energy. I I can see that. Yeah. And so it's it's interesting. The world is so huge and the universe operates with such complexity that no matter what story you're telling yourself, the universe will serve up evidence that confirms that story. So why not tell stories that are positive and optimistic? It just doesn't make sense not to, except being habitually in those negative stories. You're going to see what you're looking for. That's exactly right. So if you, you know, it's that if you... Are looking for something bad you think something horrible it's all bad it's all this and that's all you're ever going to see is the evidence of all it's all bad yeah you know what i mean because yeah. that's what you're looking that's for that's exactly right you're looking for more shit to fall you're looking for him to do something else stupid <laughs> you're looking for him to to tweet something else ignorant you know what i mean yeah. therefore you're gonna see these things and then they're gonna happen you know but when you don't see them you're not looking for them it changes yeah. things. it changes yeah. things yeah. it's also really hot in Texas. I heard that. I, heard I, I need I need like 40s and 30s all the time. Shut on up, girl. I don't belong you here. Right. Okay. Back to the we've got just a little bit little bit of time left, but I really wanted to cover this near-death experience you had. And then I want to get back to you're moving to Seattle, right? Aren't you moving to Seattle? That's that's the plan. Okay, so let's talk about that. But first I, I don't want to uh give too much away yet. No, okay, okay. We don't have to talk about it at all. We'll just end the show right here. I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I want well, to hear about the near-death experience. So what happened? What what happened? If you'd like to share. If, yeah. Of course, if you don't want to share, just say, I don't want to share. Um, so I'll, tr- I'll just try to keep it short, though. Okay. Um, I um, had a, I had two foot surgeries. And the second foot surgery, and these were like, 
the summer before my first year in undergrad and then the summer after my first year in undergrad. And it was the second one. I, uh, so they did reconstructive surgery because my feet were extremely flat and I always complained about it. Mm. You know, this is a gift from my parents mm. and they, um, the surgeon installed these um, metal bars through my foot. He essentially broke the bones and, and arranged them in a way that they would refuse in a, in a, a more proper Into an arch. Structure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I had to have these um, uh, poles installed. My foot looked like uh, Frankenstein's monster oh. for nine weeks. Mm-hmm. Well, I had already gone through it once the second summer and then I had to do the other foot and then my first night back home after that um after the surgery I they put they put you on like antibiotics and, and strong pain medication I had something called oxycodone oh, yeah. um they they have to do like my, my parents had to do like every four hours with one of them and every six hours with another or something like that mm-hmm. And uh, this was completely an accident. Uh, my mom over-medicated me on oxycodone. She gave me twice the amount. Oh, boy. And whenever my parents came in to, you know, like, I don't know what time it was. could have been like 1 a.m. Uh, to give me my next dosage. I was, like, not responding, and my face was blue, and I was essentially suffocating in my sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't feel any pain, of course. <laughs> Um, but I woke up in, in the ambulance and, um, I, when I woke up, like my vision, my hearing, my sense of touch, everything was like really blurry, everything. And I remember I was going like this and I couldn't, I was like, what is this? And then at one point the paramedic said to me, you over-medicated on a narcotic. And I was like, no, I didn't. <laughs> I was more than anything, I was just confused. Mm-hmm. Well, I get to the to the hospital and they do their diagnostic test, and I um, I had pneumonia in my lungs. They, my lungs were filling with fluid, mm. um, and they said your lungs are only working fifteen percent on their own. We're gonna have to put you on the respirator. Mm-hmm. They gave me a catheter, and I was on that thing for like twenty four hours, and it was it was hell, mm-hmm. right? Um. And then, mind you, I just had metal just put into my foot, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and I was back in another hospital for a whole other week. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, when I was recovering in the hospital, uh, this must have been like a few days later, you know, I finally saw myself in the mirror for the first time, uh, really since the incident. And I had it was the only day in my entire life I had grown any semblance of a beard mm-hmm. and even like in high school I would like shave like intensely Some, a friend of mine said that I used to like my my face used to be pink because mm-hmm. of how much I did it mm-hmm. um, but um, I didn't recognize myself and I panicked I said I have to shave now mm-hmm. and like it was all I could think about but you know, when I got back home to recuperate from my foot surgery and everything, um, I started doing some research online. And that was it. 
and research on, I mean, I know. That on gender identity. I, I know, I knew. Just wanted like, you to clarify for the science and everything. Yeah. And I, I realized that I didn't know that like hormone therapy existed. I didn't know any of that. Wow. So, well, interesting. But I learned and I was like, I, it was the W path thing. Yeah. I found that I was like, this is what I need. Yeah. So, so up until that moment, did you, you, up until that moment, like prior to the overdose, did you recognize yourself as transgender or did you not know what that was? I recognized myself as trans, but I didn't have the language, the words for it. Oh, I, I, did, I didn't, hadn't have any examples. I mean, I think everybody has Jerry Springer growing up, but it's like, that's useless. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah. it's like pornography. Yeah. It's like, that's useless. Yeah. That does, that teaches you nothing yeah. about trans people. Yeah. So, you know, I, you look at that and you're like, well, that doesn't exactly, I don't want to be that, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> right. But it's like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. There was yeah. just no examples. Yeah. And I, I had to like dig and dig and I, and I found, finally came to it and I was like I mean everything has gotten better mm-hmm. like everything very nice so okay so ending the show I want to ask you two things and be be brief about them the first thing is what would you, so we always end the show on a positive note talking to the audience which is composed of mostly trans amorous men but also some trans women we ask you of the uh, guest to speak to the audience so speak to the trans amorous man and tell them what you would suggest he do in order to own this aspect of who he is like what would you say to a trans amorous man if he was in front of you and say hey mar you know what i i'm I recognize that I'm really attracted to trans women, but to be honest with you, I'm just scared as hell because I don't want to be blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say that if you're concerned about labels, it doesn't really matter. I think if you're attracted to a person, you're attracted to a person. Um, and in my own experience, all of, I shouldn't say all, maybe 99% of the men that I ever interact with consider themselves straight. And, you know, it doesn't, I think that's really what people are preoccupied with. Mm-hmm. Like misogyny and transphobia, or misogyny is transphobia, is homophobia, is, you know, mm-hmm. just this general fear. Yeah. And when you're a cishet male, you know, going through the world, that ball of fear is real for you. Yeah. You know, for me, it's like, I laugh about that. Right. Like, that's nothing that really, it's, it's just make believe it's all in your head. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, there's this uh, shame that we learn about our bodies. There's shame that we learn about, you know, being attracted to one person or another. There's shame we have about sex, you know. Um, but the fact of the matter is, I always I like to say this too. It's like if you if your idea of sex like is strictly coitus, like vaginal penetration, then you're doing it wrong. <laughs> I, don't I don't care if you're cis or gay or by or pan or whatever you are you're doing it wrong right so. that's the headline that's the title of this show <laughs> you're doing it wrong but it's like um i mean i mean if it's that strictly i'm not trying to say that there's anything wrong no with i that. get it i get it but it's uh you know there's there's a prescribed life handed to you and if you're 
cisgender heterosexual, a lot of people buy into that and they identify with that, even though that's not who they really are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, and and then for trans women, for trans women, so the trans women that watch the show, and a lot of their stories are like, "I'll never find a guy. There are no men out there. There's no men in my town. Chasers. They're all tranny chasers. They only chasers. want me for my body. Blah blah blah." And so, what would you say to those women? I would say date locally. What do you mean I think by that? that for me that was with that was my turning point in my I guess dating narrative is that I I tried you know the long distance thing and and talked to men all across different places and you know and I thought that was a real relationship and it really wasn't at all and you know I, I learned my lessons there were some difficult times um but uh I, it was, it was, I was telling myself this story that, you know, here where I live, nobody is going to ha- be confident enough to be with me. Mm-hmm. And I ended up being wrong when I put myself out there. And, um, I, I mean, I, like I said, I've known for a long time, I don't want to settle here, mm-hmm. but allowing myself to connect with the men that are, you know, in my city, like, really opened my mind yeah nice um yeah and it was and it's the thing about it is that it's trans attraction is extremely common Mm -hmm. but people don't want to talk about it right Mm -hmm. which is why like i'm here and i believe in everything that y'all are doing thank you you well we're happy to have you here with us we are very great i've been looking forward to me too getting a chance to talk with you just like draining shame out of everything that's my mom so that we can just live our lives yes yes awesome well thank you so much for spending this hour with us it's been great it was a little little awkward at first because we started the way we started (laughs) but it got smooth in the middle and now it's just wonderful yes it was a great it was a great show Thank you. Thank you, Mari. All right. Uh, oh, and to the listeners, I was just going to shut it off, but to listeners, uh, check out our shows on uh, Facebook, In Your Face, every Monday evening at 7.30 Pacific, Pacific time. Standard Time. Uh-huh. And then also um, check out the other shows that we have online, because they're wonderful. And if you're interested in being on the show, you're a trans woman or a trans attractive man, just send us an email at info at transamorousnetwork.com. All right. Bye, everybody. Be a guest on the Transamorous Network podcast. Send an email to info at transamorousnetwork.com. You've been listening to the Transamorous Network podcast. The Transamorous Network podcast is a broadcast property of the Transamorous Network. Listen to the Transamorous Network podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. For more information on living a joyful, positive, and desire-fulfilled life, or finding love in relationship, family, or within yourself, visit the Transamorous Network on the web at transamorousnetwork.com, on YouTube at the Transamorous Network, or on Tumblr at transamorousnetwork.tumblr.com.